0: Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special Audio Highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest is a, uh, an accomplished uh, fiction writer, so accomplished in fact that she wins things such as the Pulitzer Prize and the American Book Award. The Color Purple, uh, her poetry, her essays, and her activism. She's been given peace prizes, and she is an active poet and a poet activist. Her new collection is called Hard Times Require Furious Dancing. Please welcome Alice Walker <laughs> to West Coast Live. <laughs> How do you do? Nice to see you. Thanks for stopping by.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: I, after reading about the fact that when you turned 60 and you learned in Korea that you didn't have to do anything like go out and talk about your books anymore, you could let the world come to you, I really appreciate you stopping by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I find that sometimes uh, life says one thing and then it does another. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, But I was very interested in that idea that, that at 60 it becomes, you know, eggy.
1: Yes, that's what they believe in South Korea—that you become eggy, and then the rest of your life is supposed to be about joy. And I think we could all agree with that.
0: <laughs> Alice Walker, uh, the the hard times— which which hard times? The political hard times, the personal hard times, the uh, reminiscence about your your life. Uh,
1: well, all of that. Uh, we're losing the planet to start. Um, The idea that we live in a time when people think it's perfectly okay to take the tops off mountains. Uh, That's a hard time. You'd have to dance a lot. Uh, In our own personal lives, we have many troubles. Uh, A woman dies of breast cancer every, what is it, 60 seconds, something like that in the world. Uh, You'd have to dance a lot about that. And dance in this sense is very old. And it's about understanding that violence is not only inconvenient, but it's messy, and it leaves you with a bad feeling about yourself. And so there must be some other way to deal with all of these things that we feel. I mean, we we can be very happy and upbeat and cheerful, and that's wonderful. But underneath, there's this reality of where we are as a a planet and as a people.
0: And poetry is a form of of dancing, dancing with words for you, but the poems in this book uh, deal with larger world issues but also very internal ones. There's a, there's a lovely poem about sweetness and whether you're too sweet.
1: Well, it's about how some lovers have a deficiency in sweet talk. And they do. <laughs> and Do you want me to read it? Yeah,
0: it will be lovely to hear if that's alright with you.
1: You know, I knew you would ask for that one. Um, so I put a little uh, sprig of lavender uh, to show me where it is.
0: Where's the lavender from?
1: The, the lavender's from my yard. This is Some Lovers Have a Deficiency. Some lovers are born with a sweet-talk deficiency. Have you noticed? Some lovers can only say honey if they're reading it off a jar. <laughs> Sweetheart and sugar make them think of cow's brains. When they hear the word heart, it makes them think of mother therefore of sweetbreads, and of her teaching about how to dress up less tasty parts of a carcass, like spleen. Sugar, they've lately learned, is poison, so no need to go there. I happen to like a lover who can be redundant with the sweetness, somebody who can really pour it on. Sweetheart, sweetums, sugar darling, honey pie, what's for dinner, or where was the last place you saw my tie? This is a joke, of course. The last time I saw the tie of wool or cotton, this one might lose. A sheep or a plant was wearing it. How cruel a lack is this deficiency in sweet talk. My, You're my little sugar dumpling is so much easier on the snuggling than having that woman with a master's degree visibly stop herself from calling you madam. My name is not my name, you want to shout. It is a label for those who will never understand content. So what if all he knows, for your sake, is how to wash the dishes, leaving your kitchen spotless and your floor with a shine? So what if the things she does best, truth be told, is crochet edges onto old flower sacks she found in a thrift shop that just closed? There he is, there she is listening to the temptations and Martha and the Vandellas and moaning right along. Baby darling, sugar sweetness, honey peaches, agave princess, stevia muffin. What's wrong with my precious mango, apricot, watermelon, papaya, chutney bliss this morning? Come to mama, come to papa. Let's dance those old sugar, too much sweetness blues away.
0: Alice Walker, one of the poems in her new collection. There was, there was some, uh, there, there were a couple of lovely transition moments. The one from the tie to the animal world, and where the tie came from, and the other pivot points in the poem, the where you just went, oh, and I felt like I was being danced and led around a dance floor with your, uh, with your words. And then I got to stevia poem, a stevia muffin, and I thought, <laughs> stevia. Wow, I mean that's a. Uh, that's so dietarily hip.
1: Well, it's a plant, and yeah. we now know that agave is not good for us, so we've moved on. To stevia. To stevia. Mm-hmm.
0: All these different kind of uh, of sweeteners, and then how it ends with the rhythm of, of music.
1: Yes, but also um, physical dance is very important for us to be doing now. I mean, this is really, it's great to have poetry, it's great to have music, of course, but... We have to move our bodies uh, to get rid of some of the, the tension and the anguish and the sorrow and the, the just feeling of not knowing what to do. So I put on really good music and I dance and I. part of what I'm talking about in this book is renting a dance hall at some point and inviting all my friends and relatives to come uh, on Thanksgiving and to just dance until we could not dance anymore. And this goes back, you know, thousands of years. I mean, there's a, a group of people in Africa who dance forever and their world is, is dying, but every year they come to a spot in the desert and they dance literally uh, grooves into the, the earth. They dance so hard. And part of why they dance like that is that their world is ending and they know it and this is the response.
0: What about the relative that you write about here? To a relative
1: me see. <laughs> yeah. um, to a relative, this is all your cruelty to me really means. We are from different stars.
0: So would that relative come to the dance too?
1: Uh, if that relative wanted to come, yeah. but the point is that sometimes we think that people dislike us and don't want to see us for all kinds of weird reasons, but basically we're from different stars. And so if we just let it go like that, You're obviously from some other star. Uh, Then you go on about your life. Mm
0: -hmm. You bring in the concept of uh, the Japanese concept of uh, wabi sabi in one of your poems.
1: I do, because I have learned that I'm not so interested in anything new. I have a very old Beamer, for instance, and I've been trying to figure out uh, whether I should get a Prius because it would be so much more correct and it would save so much, you know. But I've had this car uh, for almost 17 years. And the more ratty she becomes, the more elegant in some ways she is. And so it's very hard to, to, to just, for me, to buy things because they are in vogue or because they're new. It's uh, much more satisfying to hold on to something uh, that you really love. And I expect when she does go, maybe in 10 years, um, <laughs> I will plant her.
0: in in your garden
1: not in my garden I'll find a very special place for her maybe in the woods
0: that's a and and allow it to sort of uh, rusticate so to speak I suppose
1: well I will plant her and then I will plant things in her yeah. so that she will be uh, a continuation of the landscape and she will eventually go back to where she came from which is you know the, the earth and you know she become minerals and
0: You have a name for your car?
1: Singing Hawk. Singing
0: Hawk. Yeah. The uh, I had a friend who uh, he was a conductor and he, uh, he had a similar car to yours and he named it Amadeus.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: What's, um, here's one, you came, you came into my life to graze because you were starving. Having gorged until you were full, you were displeased by my hunger.
1: Yes, well that, everybody in this room I'm sure has had affairs and lovers and people who come into your life and they do come in to graze and they, you know, become really full after grazing in your life, Uh, but they leave you hungry. And so they don't understand that they have grazed all of the nutrients that you needed for yourself.
0: Can't you graze back?
1: Some people don't have very much for you to graze, and uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, it takes a while to learn that. Sometimes.
0: <laughs> there's a uh, there's a poem in here. You have about a grudge, uh, about keeping a grudge.
1: Mm. Well, it's a very long poem, but the, the, the emphasis here is on how uh, a grudge basically keeps you from tasting the, the actual pleasures of life. So, so for instance, if you're holding a grudge, the taste of cherries, the taste of peaches, the, the taste of plums, you will find that there's a little bit of um, uh, separation between you and the actual full hit of the flavor of life and it's symbolic in these fruits. Uh, so grudge is kind of like a sludge that we carry uh, in ourselves and until we can uh, let it go, uh, life itself is, is in some ways cordoned off.
0: Was there a, a, a turning point in your life where you became sort of more meditative and calm uh, you talk about being a, a monk and recognizing monks in, in one of the poems here, and you have a, uh, and that requires a certain kind of inner calm. But sometimes that only comes with life experience.
1: Uh, I think I was always meditative and contemplative. I grew up in the countryside, so it was very beautiful, and uh, I was very much uh, someone who loved nature from the very beginning. And my mother was a very strong nature lover. I think that's what it is, and later on, uh, I was very fortunate to find people who, who love that and who love to live in a in a space of quietness and peace. Uh, I love to go on retreats. I love to be uh, in solitude. Uh, I love people, but it's always such a joy to go back to no people.
0: <laughs> and. That's not, uh, you wouldn't call it misanthropic, but just... Okay.
1: You know? No, it's, it's basically because I love us all so much. Somebody has to do the work of being quiet and thinking about and, and uh, dreaming what is the right way for us to all survive and to do it with a degree of dignity and poise and joy.
0: That sounds very much like Thomas Merton, too, uh, who who sort of turned away from the, the world uh, and, and became a, a Trappist monk and made connections with Buddhism, and, and eventually went back to writing, which he'd, want, he'd wanted to be a famous writer, and, and then he ended up being a famous writer by turning inward and removing himself from the world.
1: Yes, I think um, that's true of Merton. Uh, I, I feel like um, I am a monk in some ways, but I also am a dancing monk, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that helps a lot.
0: This, this could be a theme for Halloween. I don't know where you are on the subject of Halloween. Do you have trick-or-treaters ever come by?
1: They do, but I don't acknowledge it. Yeah. I, um, I turn off my lights in the front of the house, and I close my gate. Because basically, I have some issues with Halloween, uh, and I think that the real witches should be honored in a more um, beautiful way uh, as the healers and midwives that they mostly were. Uh, so it's difficult for me to get into that level of it. I also, when I did have a small child, I did all the stuff, you know. I dressed, and I, you know, but I would offer apples and things that were good to eat, and the children didn't want them. (laughs) So they wanted candy, and I just can't give them candy.
0: Mm -hmm. I understand. Uh, I I live on a street where a lot of people come by, and it's grotesque at some level.
1: Well I used to enjoy, I lived in San Francisco for fifteen years, and I used to go down to the Castro on Halloween and that was fun because people would dress in just such magnificence and extravagance and wildness, and it was just a joy so that was good. Oh that, that was, was, good. was really was wonderful that?
0: well this, so then that could be sort of um, uh, this this could be kind of a poem for Halloween where The answer is yes.
1: Okay. You must run around, the answer is yes. You must run around like a crazy person or walk sedately, honoring the dead. Because it is true, you know, we we, we have to honor the dead sometimes with uh, a lot of enthusiasm and joy just that the people were here with us and they gave us something and then they left, but they left us with so much. And then there are times when the pain, I think, is just so great that you're left in a state of sedation. I mean, you just, you can hardly move.
0: Do you go back and read any of your earlier works, your essays, your uh, commentaries, your novels?
1: I rarely do because for some reason, even though the South Koreans told me I should stop work, I just keep going. And so... I'm usually writing new things, and I started blogging, which just is an amazing thing.
0: But how how is that different for you than, than the process of writing, editing, selecting? You know, it sort of goes out into the world immediately.
1: I like that, and it's free. I've always wanted to uh, offer things freely uh, in the same way that trees do. I mean, I like walnut trees and apple trees and plum trees. The fruit comes, it drops, and you eat it. Um, also, when you go the old route which is to write a book and then publish it a year later sometimes you forget why you wrote it and also it just takes such a long time in in your life you know to get to the point of giving it so sometimes you feel like you're offering very stale fruit Mm. and that's not appealing
0: but this doesn't uh, feel stale I mean even though these poems have been written over you know probably more than just a year
1: no, no, they are just a year, and they were all on the blog, and they were all free.
0: The uh, the artist, can you talk about the, the artist who did some of the illustrations in the
1: book? Yes, uh, Shiloh McLeod is a very good artist uh, who did the illustrations for the cover and for the interior, and I like them very much. How did you meet her? She is the daughter of my next uh, knoll-over neighbor in the country, uh, and she I've known her since she was nine years old. Um, and her her mother, her sort of her co-parent, is a really fine artist. Her name is Sue Sellers, and she's fabulous, and she's committed, and she's strong, and she's, I think she's about 70 now, and she, her passion, all of her life has been to paint, and she has taught herself to be the most incredible painter.
0: I like that phrase, the knoll over. The
1: knoll over, the knoll over, yeah. Well, I live uh, in Mendocino and um, there are many knolls and hills and, you know, and so she's the knoll-over neighbor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that sounds like the title of a poem. This this one of uh, Rich, uh, I think, really sort of seems to encapsulate some of where your value, where you find, mm-hmm. you know, value in the world. It takes so little to make me happy. An hour of planting cucumbers, squash, tomatoes, is an hour filled with gold.
1: Well, it is, and um, I was so happy to find that, you know, like everybody, I'm sure, I've been sucking away, you know, money here and, you know, sustenance for the the cold in the winter. But then we have had this awful crash and people have lost and I have lost, you know, stuff. But what I find is that as long as I'm still connected to the earth and I still plant my seeds, The earth then does that thing, which it it does for all of us, which is it teaches us generosity. The earth shows us that we are rich because it is rich, and that's why we have to take care of it. Because when we destroy it, of course, as we are doing, we will have no teacher of generosity left, no real teacher who has endless resources to give us.
0: Alice Walker's new collection, which encourages... Us to Dance, is called Hard Times Require Furious Dancing. And thank you very much for being on West Coast Live.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: We have a band next called Albino, which is going you know, to inspire everyone to dance. Anyway, I love them. Thank you so much. Nice to see you again. Alice Walker. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.